Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. And I'm Jason Walensky. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Indeed. If you want to find us on the internet team, go to trustthejourney.today. That's our website. It's our Instagram. We invite you to join us on all the channels. Please like, comment, share, subscribe, all the things. Definitely share with other people if you are inspired by any particular episode. Uh, And feel free to join us in the Trust the Journey family. We're expanding the conversation and connection there directly with people who are uh, our listeners and are feeling called to to deepen that connection with us. So if you want to do that, please join us. Just donate on Patreon. Any amount will get you into that private Facebook group. Yeah. And I would like to apologize and thank our editor, Kimberly Joy Voice, for the noisy background today. I happen to be on an airport, so she's going to have some work to do when it comes to the audio editing. And if you are looking for an audio editor, you can reach Kimberly Joy Voice at gmail.com and she'll be happy to help you out with podcast editing needs. Totally. All right, right on, family. Let's dive into this. Today, we are talking about nature. Oh, yeah. It's like, booyah. Where's this one going to go? Yeah. <laughs> I actually am totally curious why, because why you suggested this topic. I can always guess, but I am, you obviously put this to us this, this week. And so I'm like, I wonder why. Uh, well, the topic is something that's very, very dear to me. It's something that I cherish probably at the very highest level in my life. I would say that love, like the whole concept of love, the idea of feeling cared for, the idea of feeling connection, it it is mirrored in my experiences in nature. And there's, I, I work really hard to make a point to spend a lot of my time outdoors in beautiful rugged natural spaces and i say rugged what i mean is nature is as providing as it is unforgiving you know you could very easily find yourself in a very tough situation very quickly in nature and yet nature provides us everything that we need to survive So it's this beautiful, beautiful dichotomy that truly makes us who we are. It it literally is who we are. And I just wanted to dive into this topic and really talk about the values that is there to be gleaned from diving into nature and really intentfully exploring what the what nature has to offer and what the entire world is as a concept i love it i immediately when you said it can be equally unforgiving it makes me well basically i i know i've been sharing recently about how i'm recording my audible book and one of the chapters in my book is i talk about 
an experience I had on a glacier in Iceland. I think I've briefly mentioned it on the podcast, but it was the closest I feel like I've ever come to like actually dying. And this is including skydiving. Uh, it was absolutely terrifying. It's a longer story, so I I'm not going to share the whole thing, but I maybe it's a good teaser for the audible book edit. Not intentional, but please, no, I, I encourage you to sh to dive in. I mean, uh, we have no limit about what we can share. Yeah, so yeah. It's up to you. You decide. Well, how much you it's share, just pl please go deep. It's told so well in the book. I, I feel like I'm going to do it sort of a disservice, but like it's a long story. So I really do. I I won't be able to honestly share it all here without taking up literally 45 minutes of the episode without taking a breath. It's like a really long thing um, where I've extracted a lot of insight and stuff like that. So, but to, to share the, at least part of it, it basically like I ended up stepping on a part of the glacier where my leg went up in up to my thigh and then I couldn't get out and I had like four guys pulling on me digging in the slush trying to get me out and it I wasn't my leg was not coming out like it was terrifying and there's one of the bigger reflection points that I had about that there's a lot of them but one of them was about nature and about how the danger really does mirror the majesty and the the yin yang the mirror the the balance is truly there that and for me going into that environment i absolutely took for granted the nature of the environment i was going into the treachery of the environment. There were a bunch of links in the chain on that particular day as well. Like it had been raining, it was quite warm. So it was like, and I, I didn't really ask questions. I was sort of in a tourist vibe. It was, there are lots of different things that happened that led to that happening to me. And it was a great example paralleling complacency in skydiving. And it's just so important, I think, to share. Like the whole reason I wrote a long column about this, and now it's a long chapter in my book, is because it is important to me to, like, I, the part of me that would love to never talk about this ever again, that would love to hide the embarrassment that I feel that I got myself into that situation, isn't the kind of person I wanna be. Like I'm the person who's like, I morally am committed to sharing about, about things like this. It's just like when I was in skydiving and I would be practicing swooping and doing high performance turns under high performance parachutes. Anytime I would find myself in the corner, I would tell as many people as I saw in the drop zone to embarrass myself further, to increase the pain so that I would keep myself further like safe in the future, but also to inform my community, my friends, other people, and hope that my sharing served to make them safer as well. So yeah, like, and the irony is that I am a really cautious person. I'm not one of those people, you know, that crosses the barrier of the, you know, the photo op and goes to the edge of the icy cliff. Like, I don't do that. 
I really, I know, I, I don't do that. I'm like, I think that's stupid. I'm like, you could totally die. Like, why would you do that? You know? And so that's what another thing, and it was just like this really intense experience that was important for me to debrief in order to process and to sort of immediately transmute it into value and immediately sort of start the healing process for me around what occurred, but also to really make sure I'm prepared for any time I might find myself in that kind of situation in nature again. You know what was coming up for me was while you were saying that is we live in the modern day, at least in the Western world, mm -hmm. in a misperception that we are outside of nature in some way where it allows us to feel that it's safe to drop our guard. Yeah. And we are raised in a way where we're not, if we were in nature more from the beginning, we would be have more heightened awareness. And so there's a an excellent argument to the effect of, you know, oh, let the kids make their mistakes, let them learn, let them get fall, scrape their elbows, let them, you know, break an arm, whatever, let them hurt themselves yeah. and let them make their errors early so that they learn the respects because, and, and this is the key part is, Nature is inescapable. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're ever outside of it. Yeah. It's just to what degree do we isolate ourselves from the unknown risks or the variables that are included. And what I mean by that is if we live in a city, if we live in a urban area, our risks from nature only come once in a while when the weather imposes that right. big storm yeah that's what know, it made me think of that could, yeah you know if the weather comes in like oh the planet is angry <laughs> and it's telling us what's going right. on right but it's different we don't you know we're not worried about getting eaten by a wolf when we're walking down the street or a bear or something like a lion you know like but we do have to worry about other humans right, right? right. and fact of the matter is other humans are nature too mm -hmm. it's just this weird it's this weird misperception that we can you, you said i was in tourist mode yep and like like at some point it's safe to just be a tourist yep. in life mm -hmm. right when is that when, it, <laughs> when is that you know? exactly. exactly i'm just from another planet i'm just here visiting this planet's <laughs> docile i got nothing to worry about here I'm just not in tourist mode you know come on it's man. like going to the zoo all the animals are in cages awful i hate zoos I really don't. And I, I love animals so much. Ugh. It breaks my heart to go to a zoo. I really don't like it. I can't go. I don't. I, I can't I, go. Every time I go, I'm just, just so, hurts I feel my heart. like, oh, yeah. I see the animal look back at me and I'm just like, I'm so ashamed. I know. I can't. I can't. Agreed. I'm so ashamed. Oh. Yeah. So, so anyway, I really feel like that was the immediately the first thing that came up that was like, cause you, because you directly mentioned it being this, this dichotomy of danger versus majesty and how, how they really are those polar, you know, we talk about polarity so much on the podcast. It very much exists in nature because we could immediately start dropping stories about the majesty on the other extreme. Of course, you know, and, and I think that's kind of what I wanted to get into in this episode is there is so much beauty oh my gosh like i am floored 
on a daily basis, if I take the time to look and to really absorb and to really dig in, whether it's on the micro level, there's the ultimate detail, or whether it's on the macro and the big picture, the amount of majesty, the amount of uh, majesty is such, such a great word for it too. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you, you, you first used that word, I was like, yeah, she just nailed it. It's like, <laughs> I was going to say beautiful or incredible <laughs> or unbelievable, but it's like majesty. <laughs> Magnificence. <laughs> Majestic. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know me, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm into words <laughs> being a writer and all. So simple a simple how do i say that this is simple i say it's simple because it happens every single day of our lives it's just part of the daily routine it happens all by itself we don't have to do anything we don't even have to be here and it's going to happen without us is the sun is going to rise and the sun is going to set and the majesty of a sunrise the majesty of a sunset when the sky just lights a flame and everything turns orange and fades of blues and purples and greens and pinks. And this, the, if you're into art uh, at all, the gradients, right? Like the fades between the different colors. I just sit in just raw amazement at how fantastic it is that this is all just occurring. Mm-hmm. It's just happening around us. And I, by saying just, I belittle it. Mm -hmm. You know, I put it I'm like, that's ah, just a sunset. Mm -hmm. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. You it know, really like, is. There's, nothing, there's nothing just about it. Like you go make that happen. Let's see you try and create a sunset where everybody can just stand outside and watch the moon, you know, full moon glowing on the horizon and the sun setting on the other side. And they're perfectly contrasting each other. And this, the moon's all glittery and hinting in yellows and the sun's surrounded by red. Like I've stood on the beach in San Diego and the whole beach is everybody's applauding, you know, applauding a sunset. And to me, that's what it's about. That's what we're, that's the whole point, right? Like if you can stand with a society of people who applaud the sunset, like, yes, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. That's just gratitude for being alive, yeah. right? For being witness to the spectacle that is the universe. And thank you for that. Yeah. Oh my God. I do not mean to keep talking about my audible book but i have to because literally there's in another chapter i write entirely about the sun it's all another long one where i where i literally talk about my lifelong relationship with the sun like and i mean it like i it sound it's a weird it's one of those deeper columns where i really like share deeply about that reflective and long-term relationship with the sun even as a young kid when I wouldn't even have thought twice about the sun and me having a relationship but like if I think about it we've always had a relationship we've always always had a relationship it's giving me warmth it's giving me life it's giving me light you know what I mean I identify with Abs it absolutely you know? I 
absolutely. Tell me more. Yeah. I, I want to know more because I, I have the same thing yeah. and I have some comments yeah. that I, I want to share, but I want to hear yours first. I'm so also, please go ahead. I'm, deeper. I'm also wearing my shirt that says sun kissed. Duh. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it, it connects from, it go it goes all the, all over the place. I mean, like I see it obviously, and we talk about skydiving all the time. It's one of our great loves. It's one of our big sort of chapters in our lives and still is a part of our life in a big way in the sense that skydiving is supported primarily by the sun. I feel in a spiritual sense, like I am a ball of light. I really resonate with the sun. When I have been most challenged in my life, I have done meditations where I connect with the sun. I close my eyes, I breathe in its energy. When I exhale, I feel its energy and light like really like blasting out of me. I walk in the fucking supermarket and I imagine, I don't like talk to people and like tell people I'm like, radiating on them but i think about being this sort of ball of light and i and i send and i send energy out like i'm just i'm like loving the space around me and those that might enter it through that just sharing of light but yeah i mean it's the only tattoo i have on my body is of the sun <laughs> you know it's just like we're just very connected i i love it and I'm so thankful for it. You know, I, those small moments, even on a day when you're walking around and you just, the sun just comes out from behind a cloud and it hits your face. Oh, like I, I can't imagine everybody listening hasn't had that moment. And it's just wonderful. You know, so I, I could go on and on and on about the sun. I really, really have a relationship with the sun. <laughs> I, I love that share. That, that share, you, you just hit so I many love points. It. Well, yeah, I want to hear yours. In like, in like 30 seconds, you were like, bam, 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 <laughs> like a machine gun of like all the values that come from this celestial object. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I wanted to just comment on uh, a post that we both made a comment on, and it had a question like, oh, did the moon, did the moon affect me? And I read this and I'm like, yes, the moon affected you. Right. <laughs> yes, the moon affected you. Of course like, it has, did. Of course it did. You know, like, does the earth, yeah, yes, you, we are made of star stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like Carl Sagan, we are made of star stuff. Mm -hmm. The things that actually created our body came, are the same things that created the stars that come from the stars. The sun is a star. Mm -hmm. And so we literally are children of the stars. I love it. Which is fantastic and i never really really understood that until one particular morning and it was at burning man and it was a sunday morning at the end of the week so for those of you who have not been to burning man or don't know how the culture and the ritual of the event works it's a seven day festival in the desert and you arrive on a monday you spend Monday through Friday kind of ramping up the week just gets more and more exciting and intense and everybody's just sharing everything and giving each other everything that they have and you do absolutely everything for each other that you could possibly imagine for free nobody charges for anything it's just this giant gifting culture you create the most amazing spectacles and performances and you're like come and enjoy this for free and can just share in everything and be grateful for everything 
And at the Saturday, there's this culmination of the event where the big effigy of the man, which is a represent, in my opinion, is a representation of ourselves, a representation of our ego, the concept that we are human are like something great. And we burn that effigy to the ground. And the concept is that we release ourselves from our this is my some of my poetry actually mm -hmm. that we release ourselves from our preconceptions of who we are and we say i no longer want to be represented by this idea that i have had of who i am based on the life that i lived to this point or the culture that i've grown up in and the burning of that effigy allows us to release this physical form into the world of energy so it's just as we are physical matter we will return to simply energy at some point. We were energy before, we become matter, we go back to energy again. And so this cyclical experience happens and the releasing of that form, the releasing of this identity allows us to start anew. We get this fresh start where we're like, well, I could just be anything I want. I can do anything I want. I can look at things the way that I've been unable to look at them in the past. And the festival is just, it's just off the hook. There's just this massive sharing of love, compassion, empathy, celebration. It's at, everything is at a hundred and I've never felt more love and more unity and more connection at any other time in my life than on those Saturday nights when everybody just celebrates being alive and shedding our skin. And as the sun rises on that Sunday morning, you're in this flat plain in the middle of a dry lake bed in northern Nevada. And so it's a surreal setting. And there's this like very fine dust in the air that's called a playa. And it's an alkaline dust and it fills the air and it accents everything beautifully. And there's this mountain range on the side. And I was up alone. I had gone up on the roof of our RV and I was sitting on the roof of the RV alone, just enjoying the orange and blues and the colors starting to come into the day. And the sun started to rise between this little valley of this peaks in the mountains. And it was right dead center in between these two peaks from my perspective. And this experience totally caught me off guard. I was not expecting it. It's one of the more spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life. It's a pretty deep share. I lost my father when I was a young boy. I never really had a strong father figure in my life. And as that sun rose that morning, it hit this point where there was just enough of the sun up in the valley that it made the shape of an eye, that the top edge of the sun and the bottom edge of the sun created what's called a vesica Pisces, where the it's this uh, portion of the circle mm -hmm. where they overlap. If you overlap two circles perfectly from their center points, that middle shape which also makes up the shape that is the center point of like a Jesus fish, mm -hmm. that emblematic fish mm -hmm. is a Vesica Pisces. And it's a representation of creation, mm. uh, of life, like born into another, of, of childhood and parenthood. And as the sun took on this shape, I suddenly had this flash of insight hit me. And of course, the sun rays are hitting me in the face. I'm feeling the warmth, the light of all of this. And all of a sudden, I was like, whoa. I felt like I just met my father Ugh. for the very first time ever. Just, just, whoa, like this is my 
father. My father is the sun. My mother is the earth. And this polarity of these celestial beings just anchored me into this experience that we are well beyond this experience in life, that Jason Maledsky is just an identity that is going to exist for, I don't know, 50, 70, 80 years, whatever, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to be gone. But that star is going to be there for billions of years, yeah. you know, and this earth is going to mirror that. And that relationship of energetic exchange is just ongoing. And at some point they will go away, but the, I've never had a more powerful experience with the sun than that instant where it just hit me. I felt this warmth. I felt this settling. I felt my whole body just hit this moment of peace and gratitude. And I just sat there and a smile just came across my face. And I just was like, I get it. I get it. I got it. Thank you. Beautiful. I, got, I get it. Beautiful. Ugh, gorgeous. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's nothing that's yeah. more um, powerful that we can do as humans than to share our deepest spiritual experiences, mm -hmm. to say, here's what really touched me. Here's where I really found some insight. And since then, I truly look at the earth as the, the, the water, the moisture, the richness, the nurture. And I look at the sun as the source of all energy, mm. the fire, mm. the spirit, the like the intention, the drive, what motivates me to do all the things in my life is that big ball <laughs> of energy up there, that big ball of light that you refer to yeah. that is me, that I am the child mm -hmm. of, that we are all the children of. Yeah. And I love it. I absolutely can. I can sit there and just like suck up that energy from the sun right into my chest mm -hmm. and I can just be like, okay, and I'm going to be full of this power that comes from this massive fusion energy that's going on out there. And, and then that in combination with all this rich soil, the diversity, the oceans, the, the mountains, that's going to create the life and all the cycles and <laughs> I love it. I love every single word. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so funny. It's, I would love to hear from listeners about this because I cannot imagine that people listening. I mean, if you're listening, honestly, if you have a story, I drop us a line because I would love to hear more stories like this because I just believe so many of us have stories like this. One of the follow-on stories, another thing about my relationship with the sun is for years, I would was out in the world and I would consistently get this feedback. And this is verbatim you have the most amazing energy. And I don't say that to sound cool or to sound whatever. That's just, those are the exact words that I heard time and time again, over and over for multiple years to the point where I was like, did a little bit of a like reflection on that. I was like, well, dang, like what, what's that about? You know, like, why, why do people say that to me? You know what I mean? And 
really started to to consider what that might be and that this is quite a long time ago and I was much less spiritually connected at that point but I was beginning to connect to the concept of being light at that point and being and and also just I had to simply own, it's not that I always had amazing energy. I had bad days. I'm human, you know, it's not saying that, but like, because it was such a consistent experience and reflection from those around me, I I just really wanted to look at it. And I also had to, when I did look at it, I had to acknowledge that it was true. You know what I mean? That it really was true in a lot of instances. And so I... I'm so grateful for those reflections because it really did start me on a deeper inquiry when I really wasn't deeply inquiring in a spiritual sense yet, uh, but I just simply brought that to conversations with people I trusted. And I started to go, what do you think of this? Why do you think, you know, this is something I, I keep hearing? You know, people that knew me well, knew me deeply, my best friends, my most trusted friends. And it opened up a dialogue. You know, we started to laugh and we talked about being radiant balls of light. And we talked about needing to wear nuclear fucking blast shields. Otherwise, we'd go blind. You know, like <laughs> lots of jokes sort of came out of it. But it was also an, uh, an earnest sort of honest acknowledgement of our light. And that was just, again, it's one of the one of the sort of prongs of my story connecting with light, connecting with the sun. You've left me in, in a moment of pause mm -hmm. where I've just, the magnitude of the conversation is so expansive yeah. that sometimes it's hard to wrap my head around or like to stay conceptual on. <laughs> right. And I, I'm excited that our conversation has gone this direction because I intentionally, as we put this conversation on the table, I didn't make any notes. I didn't, I didn't either. Make point myself in any direction. I'm like, this this topic doesn't need direction. It has yep. all the things it ever needs inside of itself. It will unfurl as it's supposed to. And I guess that's the whole nature of the topic. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> it's the whole nature of nature, friends. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Keep laughing, yeah. keep loving, keep trusting the journey. <laughs> so I think I want to kind of go back, like take a step back and mm -hmm. think about the, well, I mean, the modern take on this, if you're a younger listener, you're probably going to think of nature as a television documentary, something you see on Netflix, right? Like Planet Earth or the Nature series or whatever. And it's compartmentalized into an idea that nature is the plants and animals of the Earth, that the bioflora and all the inhabitants make up what is nature. But it seems that our conversation immediately right around that idea more to the central point that nature is 
all-encompassing that it truly is i mean there's no other word for it i guess the english interpretation of it is god mm. right that nature is the power behind that great power behind all that is is this force of nature right mm. this is not something we have any control over it started long before we existed it will continue long after we exist and it's not something we're actually involved in um creating but we are somehow involved in destroying it mm. which is a really curious topic it's like so this is something i ponder on a lot um parts of me go into these deep thought explorations about is there a possibility that our species actually is like a hybrid between say early man uh ape uh, hominoids that had influence from dna from creatures from another planet because why would there be any part of us instinctually that would be so destructive to our environment to mm -hmm. our planet to where we live and because it deeply confuses me and i struggle with this it's one of the bigger i would say in my life experience this is probably in the top three of the points that i just like i don't get it mm -hmm. why do i get why as a species are we so willing to disregard the value of our home mm -hmm. of our environment of our planet and and rape and pillage this planet for all it has to offer for what seems we think to be our own benefit in the short term, but which is actually destructive to us as a whole in the long term. So I struggle with this concept and it really irks me. Like I, I can't sleep at night because of it. Mm. I find myself having a hard time being okay, being alive, being a human. Mm. This is like, this is wrong. This is deeply wrong. And, and I, you know, I have big challenges with humanity and loving humanity mm -hmm. because of humanity's um, ability to disregard and disrespect this beautiful place this garden of eden that we all have been gifted and how we're just so willing to ruin it mm. and i i guess i just want to talk about this a little bit and see what your thoughts where do you where, how does how does this played out in your life what where have your yeah what are some of your question. deeper feelings about oh, it? oh it's yeah? a great great um, it's a uh, totally important conversation i think because when I think of this, I think of modern humans, like modern man. I think of cultural differences, as in the Americanized, individualized thing. I, I, I. The we is really challenged in American society. Uh, I think that's a big reason is the slow deterioration. And I say deterioration, and that's an obvious judgment. It's, it's the slow change of the ideological culture that drives people to not give a shit. <laughs> Can I pause you there for a yeah, second? Yeah, go ahead. 
have you listened to the episode uh, with Rabbi mm-hmm. uh, Rabbi Sachs? Yes, I uh, have. Jonathan Rabbi jo- yeah Sachs on um, Tim Ferriss podcast. Yes. Yeah, and so that whole co- his his discussions there about the proverbial I versus we. For anybody who's listening, if you want to dive into that topic more, there's an excellent podcast with Rabbi Sachs, Lord Rabbi Sachs, uh, that I highly recommend to, to explore that concept more. I do think that's a big, big part of it, though. Is like because, and I'm no expert. I you joke about okay, the the younger people nowadays it's like nature planet earth these shows and i was sort of chuckling in my mind going and people our age it's national geographics <laughs> magazines you know um so i by no means am i even remotely informed enough to have a really thorough you know dialogue on this but what i can glean from what i have learned it if I look at other cultures and indigenous cultures and tribal culture and, you know, basically societies that really back in the day lived on the land and really were more communed with nature for survival and life and their societies, th- that I don't think there was a whole lot of culture in those societies that was this using of nature, this destruction of nature. It was more, I feel like, a respect of nature, a recognition of its keeping them alive, their being a part of that cycle. I feel like with the onset of fucking Cocoa Puffs and Lucky Charms, we completely lose connection with with that. And I think that's a huge, huge reason why people do not respect and love and care for nature these days. And I'm no, I'm no perfect person either. You know, I'm drinking out of my, my seltzer can and there's a lot I could do to really care for the environment more. And I'm looking at that and looking for ways I can improve. But yeah, I, I don't say this in judgment. I say this as just a conceptual sort of observation of where to begin. So I was having a conversation with one of my very best friends just recently and she um, she had a bag of uh, seeds in her hand and it was something she was gifted and it was it's bird seed right so mm-hmm. it's sunflower seeds and such in a plastic package and the intent on the package there's this little writing it says um, you know on Christmas Day go spread these outside for the birds so the birds can come and you're, you know, you're giving something back and in communing with nature. And she was shaking her head in, in irony because these seeds are all existing outside on their own. They all come from plants that just grow without us needing to grow them. They grow by themselves and their seeds occur and the birds eat their seeds and we don't need to be involved in the process. And we especially don't need to collect them all and put them in a plastic wrapper mm-hmm. just so we can put them back outside again. Mm-hmm. And this concept of putting everything in a wrapper is one that really is challenging because it's like peeling an orange and putting it in a plastic bag mm-hmm. where an orange comes in a perfect wrapper from nature. We don't need to put it in something. And we have this 
uh, occurring more and more and more in the modern West, in the modern world, where absolutely everything has to go in a bag. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be, you can't hand somebody something without first putting it inside of plastic. And that plastic is like single use and immediately goes to the trash and mm-hmm. ends up in oceans. And I drove past a property yesterday and these trees were just full of plastic bags and it's in a residential neighborhood. Ugh. And I just shook my head at it. And I'm just like, man, like it's right next door to your house. Like just walk over there and pick that stuff up and mm-hmm. clean those bags out of those trees and put them where they belong for now which is at least collected into a trash receptacle and into where they're going to go is they're going to go in a landfill and that landfill is just going to sit there in a big pile like this this whole thing wasn't occurring until recent years mm-hmm. you know before the last couple centuries we didn't have landfills because everything was organic mm-hmm. up until we started creating plastics there really wasn't anything that just didn't biodegrade. Mm-hmm. You know, metal, um, the Iron Age, so, you know, over the last 500, 800 years, uh, where we really started to use you know, steel, iron, brass, copper, bronze, all this stuff. Even that, you leave it on the ground, come back in a couple centuries, it's gone. Right. It literally just turns back into the mineral that it was before it will it will rust and corrode where plastics don't do that right plastics are something that we molecules that we've put together um that stay plastics forever and this Mm -hmm. is the big problem with them is that they may break down and break down to where they're no longer visibly visibly uh, identifiable with our naked eye and we Mm -hmm. would need a microscope to see them but they're still everywhere and making this huge mess so i guess i just got onto that because it's a new problem and it's mm-hmm. one that we have yet to even put our finger on as a society as a whole the collective we have not agreed that this needs to stop yet there are portions of the collective we there are cities counties countries that have made plastic bags illegal where you no longer can give out plastic bags, single-use plastic bags. Um, I really love the fact that where I've been living a lot lately in Moab, no, there's no plastic bags in any of the grocery stores. And I awesome. applaud any town, any municipality, counties that are going to take that initiative to stamp out these single-use containers because they're just making a mess out of everything. They're just screwing it up for everybody. You know, uh-huh. water bottles, plastic bags, all these this throwaway items, it's, it's got to stop. It's bad. It's super bad. I, this is great. I love that the conversation went this direction because this very much goes to, I mean, obviously my work with gender equality, racial equity, social justice in all kinds of ways, the collective hatch that I'm a member of that I speak so highly of that I love so much, the whole deal with hatch is that people come together from all different angles on the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And so some of the people that I met in 2019, the last time we were able to have an in-person summit, they're doing significant revolutionary work on cleaning up ocean plastics. And so there are small movements starting to take place that are really starting to try to get the word out about how absolutely devastating ocean plastics really is. And there are ways that we can begin to really massively clean things up. It obviously requires money. And so this is the thing. You So at Hatch, for example, 
you have people talking about ocean plastics, you have the uh, technologies and the, you know, ways they can clean it up if they have funding and support. And then in the same panel, you have high level execs at major production companies that are or major companies, product companies that are starting to really be in the conversation of how do we change our packaging without ruining our bottom line while keeping our product still high, right? So like all these companies that have single wrap plastics and that's how they've done it forever. There's not every company by any means, but a lot of larger companies are starting to at least finally be in the conversation of, of how do we change how we do this? Because we recognize and acknowledge that it is not a sustainable practice for the earth. Absolutely. And I'm a big advocate of the idea that the what we see occurring in the modern Western quotes, quotation, Western world, which is actually the whole world that is, you know, industrialized is, I believe the corporations, the big companies, they've taken over the role of government per se. The government is still doing what it needs to do in a lot of ways. But for the most part, big money, big corporations, they're making the decisions about what is and what isn't happening. And it really is up to these giant corporations, the Johnson and Johnsons, you know, the Procter Gambles, these like just massive companies that they need to be proactive and taking stance and they sh i believe they should be taxed with the responsibility of management and cleanup of the messes that they've made you know that the if you have owned a company and that company has produced a mess you made a big pile of crap mm -hmm. you made the mess you clean it up yeah you know how do clean we apply your, accountability yeah it's yeah, accountability absolutely. it's yeah. a question and then of course there's a big certainly big conversations around who's who's responsible how who and how can we hold people accountable i don't want to be all like i wasn't there I did, you know so there's lots of of course because it's a such a massive financial impact to be accountable for these messes it's a big big deal so it's like i mean Again, I can't even remotely sit here and say I'm highly educated enough to be a, a thorough voice on this subject, but I can just say that I have learned some and I'm grateful to be learning more and know that there are things happening and that there are ways to be a part of that solution, even as an individual. You just said something which really kind of hits a trigger for me, and it's the concept that the economic impact, the financial impact is going to affect a corporation or a country or an organization or whatever entity we're talking about here. There's this weird struggle that I've had the hardest time getting to be okay with during my experience in life. And that's the idea that economy or this concept of money is more important than the concept of the well-being of the earth yeah. because money is a construct mm -hmm. it's an idea it's a made-up thing that doesn't really 
exist. Like mm-hmm. if there were no money, the sun would still shine, the plants would still grow, the animals would still live, and everything would keep on going without it. What would stop is all this exchange of commerce based on this numerical value that we put around it. So the plastic making would stop. Mm-hmm. If the money idea stopped. Absolutely. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that goes back to the ideological question of, like, if you connect safety, security, food, survival to money, it makes sense that it is the most prioritized thing. You know what I mean? It's like if we, when we are faced with a life and death mortal situation we are not thinking about money. I'm not asking the people who are pulling me out of the fucking iceberg if they'll do it for 50 bucks. You know what I'm fucking saying? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, I get it. Like, yeah. there's this, you know how we have the concept of preppers, you know, people that like are afraid of some terrible thing happening. Yeah. And so they have their yeah. bunker and all their supplies and everything. <laughs> yes. To me, that... <laughs> how that really looks is I have the skills to grow food and the means to grow food and raise animals and house myself and provide myself clean drinking water and clean air, right? Like that, what are the core fundamentals that are essential to life? And I've had some deep, deep thoughts about this. Like I really put energy into it. I'm like, okay, if I rearrange my whole life so that I truly prioritize what's important, what am I going to put at the top of the list? I'm going to have clean water. I'm going to have good soil. I'm going to have clean air. Those are them. Those are the three most important things. I need clean air, clean water, and soil. If I have those three things, I can have plants. I can have animals. I can have housing. I can have hydration. And I have everything that I need based on those three things. So as a society, as a species, we need to collectively realize that these are the most important things in the world, that we need clean air, we need clean water, and we need a rich soil and a biodiversity that supports that soil continually being recreated because soil depletes and degrades like we've seen in the dust bowls of America. If you just you know, uh, rape the landscape and use it, the soil dries up and and all the microorganisms go away and it no longer produces life unless you put fertilizer all over it. And that is not a sustainable practice. We can't keep, you know, jamming nitrogen in the ground, expecting that that's going to produce the healthy food products that, that nature would provide if we were to just let it do its job on its own. So, yeah, I guess I just wanted to place that reminder out there for for everybody. Yeah, well, and there's a lot to learn on these subjects for sure. I'm encouraged by the youth of today. Like, even though we say, okay, it's probably planet Earth, there is also a really hardy collective, it seems, based on my experience of young people that are quite aware of climate change. They're there and they're vocal and not just just talking about Greta Thunberg. I'm talking about like a whole like collective of young hearts and minds that seem to really feel the connection to that, recognizing what they're going to have to deal with without 
help now in making positive change toward these issues we face. I read a meme, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and it really made me smile. I, I loved this one. It was so well written, so, so well composed. And it's a parent figure expressing to a young a young adult, uh, an adolescent, that, hey, the, the movie that we're watching or the show that we're seeing here, it has the F word in it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no, that's okay. And, and the the child, the adolescent says to the ma to the parent figure, you know, is it, w which F word are we talking about here? And the parent figure thinks it's fuck. And the <laughs> adolescent is like, oh no, well, that's not a bad word. It doesn't actually hurt anybody. They thought it was the word fag, uh. which is, which is pointed at somebody. They said, well, mm -hmm. this is a bad word because it actually attacks somebody yep. where that's just a bad word because it's not actually a bad word because it doesn't actually attack anybody. And it really had the lesson for the parent figure that the adolescent hasn't figured out that the bad words are the ones that actually insult, attack, degrade, demoralize, hurt somebody. Beautiful. Where the other word is just a word. It doesn't have it's any just a impact. Word. Just a it's word. Just a, and I love that the connotation of the whole meme is that the younger generation has it on point that they're like, that's really causing damage. That's not, you need to get your morals lined up. I love that. Exactly. We can learn a lot from people who are less experienced than us, people who are younger than us. It is a great disservice, I think, in people's lives if they disrespect youth. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me pivot the conversation because I'd like to round this episode off on a note that is more in line with the majesty yeah. and reminding us to truly s absorb, soak up, like be the sponge <laughs> of fantastical energy that is <laughs> in nature because it will inspire us. It will inspire us to take action in, inside of our own lives and in the greater, bigger picture to be proactive. Uh, I mean, for me, being proactive means getting outside, going for hikes, going exploring, seeing new places, you know, and in other ways, being proactive is having this conversation. It's being not of being afraid to talk about things that maybe are, you know, less talked about when it comes to like pollution or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, abusing the planet. So absolutely. Please share with me if you would one of your most majestic experiences mm. where do you immediately go to if you go to your like th like check mark then like oh my god that was incredible most beautiful thing you've ever seen oh where god is it? it's always so difficult i think to to do the actual most beautiful thing you've ever seen because i feel like i've had a number of them and so i don't want to like do any disservice to a, a different memory <laughs> You mentioned a real spiritual awakening. I feel like I've I feel like I've shared this before. I don't know, but sitting I and I wasn't even outside, but I was looking out at Mount Cook in New Zealand. And it was just this stunning blue sky, the mountain, but it was a lot connected to the fact that I was was free and traveling and and sort of 
all the way on the other side of the planet. Like that was that that feeling of distance was powerful for me as well as in connection to also the micro experience of sort of communing with that mountain. I have a real thing with mountains. Like I am so much more a mountain person than an ocean person, even though I love the ocean. Don't get me wrong, you know? Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, that comes to mind just because it's a big spiritual thing. And interestingly, what first came to mind before you asked the question, I thought of something I want to do that I haven't done all, done yet. And I really, really, really want to go to the Sequoias. I just ha I've never been there. I really I have this real deep calling to the trees. I know I've mentioned this on the show before. And I just want to go and be with those trees. I want to I want to take in that majesty of those phenomenal, phenomenal trees. It excites me even just thinking about it. So that's fantastic. something I want to do. Yeah, I, I will do it. Like, I'm very excited about that. So even though it hasn't have, happened, that's like going to be one of the tops. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. Your, I would love to be with you when you first yeah, see them. Because well, I'll let you, you know. You're, you're the, for anybody who has not seen the giant sequoias, it is just mind blowing. You, I'm immediately transported back uh, to like the time of the dinosaurs where I'm like, I can imagine the beasts that would be of scale yeah. to these trees. Uh, and I, I have a little like one inch square piece of a giant sequoia in my altar. Mm -hmm. I picked it up off the ground. It was a degrading piece. You know, a tree had fallen and it was just this little chunk. I just picked this little chunk and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh man, I'm going to put this in my altar and I'm going to cherish it so much. And it's such a beautiful, they're so incredible. You can't even uh, fathom how I I can't. And, well, yeah. and interestingly in this, I'll say this very briefly because I want to hear yours obviously too. But now this came up in my mind, like far more than the Mount Cook experience was Yosemite. I did three days of backcountry, like we were in the legit backcountry, and you go over a ridge and you cannot even believe how amazingly beautiful it is. And you think it can't possibly get any more incredible, like blow your fucking head off beautiful. And the next ridge you go over, it is beyond what you could even contemplate. It is incredible. Like I, I cannot say enough about about Yosemite. Fantastic, and you've so I mean I've been in Yosemite numerous times, and my first time I went there, I was just like, whoa! I went in <laughs> I went in 1998 with um, my base jumping mentor Mario Richard. We went there together to make our first cliff jump together, and we did that from El Capitan. Amazing, and um, it was incredible just mind blowing and that valley is a you know it's a gem in the california landscape and in the U united states it is times a thousand in norway oh. oh it's unbelievable how there's just valley after valley after valley after valley of this same magnitude and grander i mean yosemite has um um Half Dome is 5,000 feet and El Capitan is 35, 3,200 feet tall. And so replicate that scale. It's oh. like literally times 100 
times a uh, thousand throughout the entire wow. coast of Norway, and, and it's and they're full of you know blue turquoise water. Oh, it's just so amazing. So I'm so grateful for the fact that I've been exposed to the beautiful majesty of what this planet has to offer and it really has had a huge impact on who I am as a person and I encourage everybody absolutely everybody to get outside your comfort zone go out explore play push yourself to be a little bit uncomfortable and find new places and new experiences and I guarantee you that you'll be uncomfortable I guarantee you <laughs> yeah. that you'll be you'll be challenged and in that there will be growth and there will be wonderful amazing experiences and it is so so worth it mm -hmm. i'm so grateful agreed mic drop enough said <laughs> but really i mentioned this earlier in the episode family let us know if you have feedback or if you have stories that you'd like to share we'd love to hear them Feel free to join us in the Trust the Journey family. Like we always say, you're welcome anytime. Um, but yeah, we just always, we want to thank Kim. Thank you so much, Kim, for helping us edit and take that off our plate and be a part of our team and, and family as well. Yeah, we just love you all. I'm so grateful for everyone who's listening. Jay, any final thoughts? Just lots of gratitude. That is the attitude. And I look forward to running into you on a trail with a backpack out there exploring and venturing and, and loving this world that we are and that we live in and our mother and our father love us take care of them just like you would your own mother and father <laughs> amen all right team love you all love you